This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to One Bills Live, hour number three, here on a uh, very somber Tuesday in the wake of the emergency medical treatment required for DeMar Hamlin, Bill's second-year safety. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And as we do the day after games uh, on this show, we bring in Eric Wood, Bill's radio color analyst. It's a much different day after game, Eric, as you well know. Um, You and I were dealing with it in real time on the air on the Bill's radio network we know a little bit more now, um, but he's still in critical condition. So, Eric, maybe walk me through, you know, how in the aftermath of, you know, something like this, because we've heard from the league already that as of right now, week 18 is unchanged, how you somehow wrap your head around compartmentalizing this and trying to move forward knowing that there's the potential you got to play another game in five days. Yeah, and to my understanding, they've had to just hop right into game planning for New England today because that's what you have to do. That's part of your job. And DeMar's still in Cincinnati, and they're just waiting for answers, waiting for any information, and as we all are. And we're just praying for any bit of, of good news that we can get. But we talked about compartmentalizing before we knew the severity of the situation, me and Chris did on air because uh, a very great question Chris asked me was, you know, how do you go back out there when you see one of your teammates down like that? Let's let's go back to Tennessee and Dane Jackson. You know, the defense has got to go right back out on the field after seeing a guy get carted off in an ambulance. And so it's a really tough situation. Now, we didn't know the extent of it at the time that we had that conversation. We said, look, these guys have lives. They're constantly battling things off the field, and you show up and you do your job. Well, last night was different. Last night was obviously not a situation where you go back and do your job. And, I, and, and to my understanding, both teams agreed that there's no way, without knowing the status of DeMar, that they could go back out on the field in that situation. And so they weren't forced to. But now today, as you got a game five days away, you must, and you try and – Likely, if you're those guys on uh, that were down there on the field around DeMar, get the images of a 10-minute, almost 10-minute CPR session to revive a teammate of yours. Try and get those images out of your head. The, you know, constant emotions that you feel for DeMar's mother who was trying to get onto the field. I mean, just the situation that is traumatizing even to talk about, much less if you're in pad standing next to him. Yeah, and if as that thing happens, I mean, none of us have ever seen anything about it. We, you know, the 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 
catchphrase of the day is we're in uncharted waters. It's hard to process something you've never experienced or even felt like you were even prepared for. We've seen we've seen ambulances on the field before. The thing that makes this different, I think, for everybody, Eric, is that usually you get a thumbs up from the player. You see the player, if his leg's broken, you see him high-fiving his teammates or giving him a hug, even if, it's a, if he's upset. Um, you know he's going to be okay. We don't have that information for DeMar Hamlin. I think that's what makes it so difficult for all of us to get past this. Absolutely. And the fact that he was on the field without a pulse. You know, even those that lay motionless with spinal injuries, you're right, Steve. We generally get that thumbs up. The risk of of loss of life isn't necessarily there. Yes, you could have extreme circumstances with those injuries, this was much different. This was a life and death situation. And you guys know, and we've talked about it so much. And Steve, as long as you played, there's inherent risks playing football. There's there's physical risks. But this is different. This is a different situation here where this wasn't a monster hit across the middle. This was the the exact wrong hit at the wrong spot at the wrong time that left him motionless, left him without a pulse. For, for a period of time, we don't know exactly how long before the CPR and the rest of the treatment was able to revive him on the field. But um, yeah, it was it was like nothing I've ever seen. The atmosphere in Cincinnati was electrifying. I mean, walking from my car to the stadium, I grew up in Cincinnati. I'd never seen anything like that in that city. Now, Bills fans have a strong presence as well, bring some energy themselves, but I mean, that opening kickoff, maybe the loudest I've heard at, at kickoff, maybe outside of Buffalo this season, and even even maybe for some Bills games. And then you go from that to less a little over halfway through the first quarter, complete silence. Just it was it was eerie in there. Yeah, Eric, I will tell you at the top of the show, uh, I did tip my hat to your hometown. Uh just the class that the Cincinnati fans showed not only in the stadium, the orderly way in which they left, even though a night that they had planned for a lot of fun and entertainment got turned on its head. But then you had Cincinnati fans that went to the hospital, Eric, and had a candlelight vigil outside the hospital last night. Really got to tip the hat to your people there in in the Queen City there in Ohio. Well, I appreciate that. And it's just like Buffalo. I, I, I did a bunch of media appearances last week and they would ask me about my hometown and then what became my hometown of Buffalo, my original hometown of Cincinnati. And I, I said, you know, I, I just feel like the NFL is better when markets like Cincinnati and Buffalo are good and they're so passionate. And so there's some similarities between the towns. Um, you know, Buffalo known as the city of good neighbors, the West side of Cincinnati, especially would, uh, give give a run for their money just the way how cordial everybody is and willing to help in any situation and they showed it last night I can say I walked out with the general fan base because I was walking to my car because I was driving back to Louisville last night after the game and you know there's bad eggs in every crowd so I expected to get frustrated leaving with the rest of the fans that just had got the news that the game is going to be suspended for good that night and there there wasn't any there was no You know, almost just like a low murmur leaving the game, people having conversations, but it was it was a very classy atmosphere leaving there. And that just speaks to 
how affected 70,000 people were by the event that happened on the field. Yeah, there was, and of course, for us, we're watching the broadcast is all we can do. We're back here in Buffalo, and we're catching what we can catch on social media, which is sometimes a, you know, a, a dicey situation because, you know, everybody has an opinion. And uh, the a decision that happened early, uh, I thought the decision, I told Brownie this, the decision to, to suspend the game, in this case, was actually made by Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor. The conversation they had when the teams were still on the field and they were sitting there with the official, the head official, and Sean had his hand on his mouth and he was talking and Sean said, and they both nodded in agreement, and Sean looked at his sideline and said, everybody in the locker room. Right then is when the game was not going to happen. And I thought it shows great leadership by the league the when you know whenever the things got up line of what was going on in Cincinnati and the you know I'm sure the league was and it's not like they weren't aware, but when they got on the phone and when uh, Don Aponte saw what was going on, the league just said, "Okay, you guys made the call, go with it. We're ready to that." There was nothing about it. Never really got to the point where how are they going to get on with the game? How are they going to res- re- resume the game? The two head coaches made the call, and the league backed them up. And I thought it was a brilliant, a brilliant move and a great move in leadership for the league to take the word of the guys that were actually on the ground there making the call. Yeah, I think you have to do that because it'd be easy to sit at the league offices in D.C. or Philadelphia. It'd be easy to sit there and not be in the stadium and understand the gravity of the situation and what's truly being felt by those on the field and. You know, the NFL took some grief and took a lot of grief, you know, as long as it took to cancel the game, as long as, you know, they there's rumors that they said you have five minutes to get back out on the field. And look, I'm not saying the NFL is perfect. I'm not saying these organizations are perfect, but in an unprecedented situation where there's so much at stake, I think everybody needs a little grace here. You know, you have a young man that's 24 years old, whether it was the right you know, whether everyone agrees that we should have canceled the game or not, that's that's on those participating. And then for the NFL, you know, they're they're denying the five minute deal. And however it shook out, they're not they're not there. I just feel like in this situation, you know, unless someone's truly trying to be a, a troll on social media, let's let's give some grace here. Yeah. What, <clears throat> go ahead. One of the things we'd heard because I've been in the booth where uh, Troy Aikman and and uh, Joe Buck were, and Terry McCauley, the official that's in there with them. And I'm sure that when this began to take place and the league, Terry McCauley probably got on the horn with the, his guy back at the league office and said, hey, what is, what's this supposed to look like? And the league office says, well, depending, you know, if, if, if it takes a long time, they'll give the players five minutes to warm back up and then resume the game. Well, Terry, you know, that's just a procedural thing. That's not a policy or anything like that. He wasn't. A, yeah, he was just saying what the procedure is. He wasn't trying to apply it to that game. Yeah. He was just pro- providing right. information on what procedures could take place. And Terry McCauley turns and to Joe Buck during one of the five p- commercial breaks they take right then. Terry McCauley turns to Joe Buck and says, listen, I heard from the league that it's a, like they'll have a five-minute warm-up period and then they'll get going. 
That has nothing to do with the decision of whether they were going to go on with the game or not, right? So it, people got right. the idea that the league is up there going, no, give them five minutes and let's go. Nothing could be further from the truth. And that's what, you know, you, that never got up the flag far enough for anybody to even consider it. Um, and I'll say this again. When, Sean Mc, when Zach Taylor walked across the field to talk to Sean McDermott and those two guys were in agreement that this was way beyond anything anybody had ever gone through, that's when the decision was made that that game wasn't going to happen and the league got on board with it. So yeah. I'm, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, exactly the way that should have been handled. Eric, there, there is one positive that has come out of this, and we hope there are more in the future, namely DeMar's condition, but his foundation was flooded with donations. With this being a nationally televised game, it was not just Bill's Mafia contributing to his foundation, as is usually the case. There were donations coming in every three seconds at one point from across the country. It was about 400000 by the time we were leaving the stadium last night at midnight. Today it is over $4 million. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And that just shows how everybody around the country right now, how, how, how shook they were from that and then spurs them to action to want to do something, anything. Yes. Keep praying, keep encouraging, keep supporting in any way you can, but then, Hey, we want to, we want to just show some appreciation for this 24 year old and DeMar Hamlin that many of us are learning a lot more about. We're getting to hear about what kind of incredible young man he is about the impact he tries to make off the field as well. Let's, let's try and provide him some support. So very classy move. By, by so many individuals. Last time I saw it was close to 150,000 people had made donations. Just a powerful um, kind of faith in humanity restoring move by so many individuals out there. So what, uh, you know, your thoughts now about, you know, the league, had, you know, their kind of hands are tied, you know. I mean, and it's hard even to address anything other than waiting on on the you know for positive things to be reported about Demar's improvement, the league they can't get this game in. It's too late in the season. Um, do you are you a proponent? I've I've just suggested this. I just leave it as a hole in the Bengals and the Bills schedule. They skip the game. They'll play sixteen games. Everybody else will play seventeen and go with winning percentages and go with the standings the way they are and and not try to go back and pay back a game out of 264 or whatever games they have just let's just move let's just move on from it move on from this game yeah. um the teams have they have to yeah I, I think that makes the most sense i mean as me and chris were doing post game afterwards i was telling chris look if the situation is the bills either finish this game or they forfeit then screw it. Yeah, forfeit. Take the loss. Yeah. Take the loss. Yeah. It will go to Kansas City, and it is what it is. But don't, that's not what they needed to be worried about in that moment. We'll see what the league does. I think, Steve, I think your situation makes the most sense. It has the, less, the least amount of moving parts. You have that week off between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. You could potentially have a week 19 game with Bills and Bengals, which would provide enormous ratings with the 
playoff implications that that would involve if both teams were to take care of business this weekend. And so, and if Kansas city were to somehow lose this weekend to the Raiders, that would be for the number one overall seed and a chance to have the next week off. I don't know how that would shake, you know, that would be really tough on the bills to give everybody heading into the playoffs a free week right. and the Bengals the same. So I, I don't know what the exact best move is here. And, you know, that's why those guys make the big bucks and everyone gets on Roger Goodell by about his salary. That's, you know, right around that 50 million a year mark. But when you're the CEO and you have to make really tough decisions of a over $10 billion revenue company a year, this, this is when you earn it. Yeah. Right. Eric, thanks uh, for jumping on with us. We know it hasn't been easy for any of us, so uh, we appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you later in the week. Sounds good. My pleasure, guys. All right, that's Eric Wood joining us, Bill's radio color analyst. And, uh, yeah, it was – we were going through it in real time there on the air, and it's like <laughs> you turn into a news reporter. You're no longer a sports broadcaster. You are right. a field reporter out of the newsroom, and you're just describing the scene, describing what happened, and providing – the information that you know, which at the time was very limited. And so you're trying to be there for the listening audience with limited resources in terms of what you can deliver to them that they're waiting for. And it was a long time on the field. It's like almost 15 minutes from start to finish. And it felt like a half an hour just because everybody was waiting anxiously to see if there would be some resolution to the emergency care he was receiving. So, yeah, it was I, – I don't want to use a negative word, but it was terrible. It was terrible yeah. going through that and having to describe it and, you know, then reiterating it, hey, <clears throat> if you're just joining us, this is what's taking yeah. place. And for it was rough. And for – I know this, too, for all those – all of us who were back – you know, we were here in Buffalo. Uh, and for all of us who – and all those people at, around the country who are watching the broadcast, ESPN – caught the faces of Josh and Steph, Tredavious, uh, Spencer Brown. You know, they were you, they were visibly shaken. Oh, crying. Yeah, like visibly. dozens of guys crying. And, Tears. You know, Saran Neal was couldn't hold it together. I mean, it was it was it was really, really traumatic for these guys. And that in and of itself made it way different way different than any other injury incident I've ever witnessed. You, you, even cat, even big, you know, ones where, you know, you know, guys, you know, like the Alex Smith incident and the Kevin Everett incident guys saw the guy move and he was, you know, this was, they were, they They were were frantically working on their teammate to try and save his life frantically. And I and, and that in and of itself makes it completely different than anything else you've ever seen. And you've talked about this before. Athletes, young athletes in particular, in this line of work, they're finely tuned, highly trained, and many of them believe they are bulletproof. Sure. And so when something like this is witnessed by players who have that mindset, Suddenly, the fragility of life shakes them to their core because, holy crap, I'm not bulletproof, and neither right. is my teammate. Right. And, you know, that's got to – I mean, you've said it. Like, 
When you were 24 and you're a strapping yeah. athlete, you felt like you could run through walls. Right. I was, you know, yes, exactly. You feel invincible. You really do. Um, and you're not only are you invincible, you hang out with guys who are your family who are invincible too. Right. It's like, you know, it's like being one of the Avengers, you know? I mean, it really is. It's really the way they feel. And then to see one of them go down like that, and, and in an instant, and then to see people, and you can, you feel the, you know, we've, you've all seen it. I mean, you can imagine it. But working the to revive. Working hard, and you can see the concern and the, and the urgency on the face of the EMTs and the first responders and the medical guys. And the guy, you know, yelling for the AED, um, and they f- sprint and frank- frantically run that thing out into the middle of the field. Um, it's more than just sobering. You know, it's traumatizing. And they, I, I just they were think... sm- the league was smart enough to take the, yeah. the, the cue from Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor and say, listen, that's it. Yeah, this is crazy. It's crazy to ask these guys to come out and play a game. Yeah, but I thought of that because I know you've talked all the time about how Young athletes, they feel like they're bulletproof, and yeah. this was a very jarring reminder that they are not, and I think that's what really shook a lot of those guys to their core. They really did realize, well, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 24 or 84, life is fragile, no matter who you are. Uh, let's take a phone call here, as Harold in Rochester has been waiting patiently. Harold, you're on One Bills Live. What do you got for us? Well, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I want to be concerned about DeMar and and um, hope that he's getting great medical care there in Cincinnati. But I also am concerned about, you know, the other guys on the team and the players on the team that they're getting help because I, I have witnessed a traumatic event and it stays with you. You know, it it it's hard. And uh, I hope that those guys are getting help, too. I mean, Looked like Dane Jackson and those guys in the DB room looked like Dane Jackson was the first guy to get over there and run to the situation. And um, Saran Neal looked really upset. And when they announced that about five minutes, they showed Trey White. And I was like, that guy's not going to be able to play football for several days. So yeah, I just want to make sure yeah. that the players on the team, and especially in that DB room, are, are getting support and, and help right now as well. Yeah, I, would, yeah, thank I think you, Harold. Thanks, Harold. you can rest assured that the team has things in place to address the mental health concerns of all of the players on the roster. And I would imagine the wheels are very much in motion on all of that. As I know, the players did have to come in for a meeting today, early this afternoon. I would imagine that a lot of those elements were put in place and the players were made aware that they could take advantage of those resources because really it is about healing mentally first before this team can even think about playing another football game. And hopefully that's soon followed by an improved report on DeMar Hamlin's condition so everyone can breathe a little bit easier and at least have the peace of mind that their teammate's going to be okay going forward. That's right. Um, they're, um, it, it's commonplace for, uh, for teams now to have access to mental health care for their players and the players' families. And, you know, uh, and particularly here in this building, it's wide, even into the staff and workers around the building as well. So, um, yes, that will be addressed. 
and it will be obviously made available for all these guys. And, and, and as we saw, there's going to be a good hand, more than a handful of them that are going to probably take advantage of it because they need it badly. Yeah. So uh, um, you're right, Harold, from Rochester. I appreciate the call. It's uh, something that has to be taken really seriously because it's, it goes hand-in-hand hand with what we've spoken about on the show at all the time. These guys play like they play – and they pour them everything into these games, everything. They're, and their wives and children and families and their support crews at home know it. And they feel it when the guy's playing well, when he's not playing well, when, when things are bad with the team, or when it's game day and he needs to get to the stadium and he's kind of antsy about it. They feel what he feels going through all of this. And you can bet that you know these players are going to lean on their families a lot to help them get through this, and their families are going to get help from the club as well. So it – Yes, it is a large number of people in this building that are affected by an instance like this, an occurrence like this. And the club, I think clubs, are not just the Bills, but clubs around the league do reach out and feel and do their best to take care of all of those needs. So um, that is not just being... Nobody's casually waving that off at all. It's not being paid any lip service. It's an action that's that's happening now. They have people on staff that look out for that kind of thing. We'll take a break here. When we return, we will address some of the controversy, I guess is a strong word, but some of the questions that were raised about this so-called five-minute warm-up period to resume the game. Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football operations at the league office, addressed it on the conference call last night. We'll play those comments for you next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 